chapter number three tonight. And uh, read the first five verses. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible said, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. I want to go back to verse number 1. The Bible said, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. If I could tonight, I want to start preaching on this. Probably won't get through it. But I'm going to try to preach tonight uh, on this thought, the subtle serpent. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank for this opportunity to be here. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is, God, to gather one more time in your place and in your house and in your presence. Lord, we, uh, Lord, we come to you tonight desperately in need of help from heaven. Uh, God, you know our heart's desire tonight, Lord, is to please you and, God, to help and encourage your people. Lord, we cannot do anything without you. And, God, we need your help. This church needs your help. Lord, I need your help. God, please so come by and open our eyes, our ears, and uh, Lord, our hearts to the things of God. And God, give us power and unction, Lord, to preach. We'll thank you for it now in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all the Lord's people said, amen and amen. Uh, if I could tonight, I want to remind us tonight by way of introduction that it is here in our text where uh, we have begun to read the story uh, concerning the fall of man. And uh, if there's ever been something familiar to you, this ought to be very familiar to everyone that's here tonight. But it is here in Genesis chapter number 3 where we find the Word of God makes much about the serpent, the, sub, the subtle serpent tonight. Uh, can I say this? The word subtle simply means to be sly, to be acute, to be piercing, to be deceiving, and to be treacherous. Can I say this tonight? The devil has always been exceptionally gifted in the art of being slick and sly and sneaky. He is subtle tonight. If I could, I want us to look tonight and I want us to realize that uh, my friend, this subtle, this subtle serpent is still doing what he's always done. And if you do not think the devil is at work in these hours, then your head must be buried in the sand. Now, I'm going to key in on some things, but I want to say this tonight. I understand that wickedness and sin and uh, defilement and, and vulgarity and all these perversions and all these things are more out in the open now than they've ever been before. But you better listen to me tonight. The subtle serpent is still hard at work behind the scenes as well. Uh, can I say tonight, I believe that good Bible-believing churches, just like 
ours are filled full of sin in these days. I also believe that this is where the devil does his subtle work, his secret work, his sly work, his sneaky work. Uh, My friend, it is not in the crack house that the devil is sneaking around or the bars or the honky tonks or the strip clubs. No doubt there's plenty of sin and there's plenty of wickedness in those places. But can I say tonight, that is the nature of unregenerate men. Uh, My friend, if you and I were not saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus, that's exactly where we'd be and exactly what we would be doing tonight. Fact is, most... uh, of that kind of sin is simply produced and then reproduced by the flesh of man. Can I say this tonight? The devil is not out targeting the world because they're already in slavery to him tonight. The Bible said in John 8, 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever, or excuse me, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. John 8, 44, ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. In other words, that is simply what sinners do. They do the deeds of their father. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 3 and 4 Paul said, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. I'm trying to get you to understand tonight that this world uh, has no choice but to sin and the devil is really not hard at work. He's not really behind the scenes and sneaking and snaking around if you will in the people and the places of the world he does his subtle work within the body of Christ this is uh, my friend the first time we find the devil uh, targeting somebody in the Bible it is Adam and Eve who are God's people Uh, he has created them from the dust of the ground at this very moment before they sin they are without sin they are pure they are uh, my friend pleasing to God. They are innocent. They are holy and righteous in the sight of God. That is that is who the devil is attacking in these last days. Uh, can I say this tonight? Uh, concerning sin. You may get by with sin for a little while. And you may think you've mastered how to hide it uh, from everyone around you, but do not forget my friend that God sees it all. The Bible said in Numbers 20, or 32, 23, uh, you've sinned against the Lord, be sure you sin. We'll find you out. Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Can I I say tonight it is here in Genesis chapter number 3 where we find that Eve has took the bait and she's believed that she could get around God but hear me tonight there's not never one of us that can get around God God cannot be got around therefore we must know tonight how to identify and defeat the subtle serpent that is after each and every one of our lives tonight
I want to preach on that thought, and I probably, again, I hope I can, but I probably won't get through it. But I want to focus on that serpent, that subtle serpent. Let me say this tonight. The devil is hard at work. Uh, I, I know that there's seasons and there's times of reaping, there's times of sowing, there's times for weeping, there's times for rejoicing. I, I know all that. But can I say in every season, he's still at work. When the church is doing good, he's at work. When the church is going downhill, he's at work. When souls are getting saved, he's working. When souls are not even coming to church, you can't even get saved souls to come to church. That's what we're dealing with right now. Uh, can I say this? He's hard at work. Uh, I've done making my mind up. I've wanted to hit the road and run from this place five million times over. You have no idea because I get fed up and I get sick and tired of people doing what they want to do. But God spoke to me just a week, a little over a week ago. And my friend, I'm going to try my best to stay faithful. I'm going to try my best to preach. I'm going to try my best to encourage you. And I'm going to try my best to please the Lord. But listen to me, you've got to do something with it. My God, he saved us everyone out of hell and the least we can do is serve the Lord and if you ain't got no reason to serve him tonight maybe you've never been redeemed but that ought to be enough for you and I to realize that there is a task at hand there is a race to be run there's an enemy that's after your family why in God's name would anybody want to lay down and be bait for the subtle serpent I, I, I can't fathom it. I just don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, matter of fact, I, I'm thinking about this this week. There's been people over the past, they've asked me, I just don't know how do people get to where they don't, you know, they're, they're not happy and they don't, they're not faithful. How do, and those same people that's asked me those questions are the ones that's not happy and the ones that's not being faithful. Can I get a witness? And listen, I don't know what the, what God's going to do, but all I know is, uh, my friend, I can't quit for the sake of my family. I can't quit because the devil wants me. You know what the devil wants me to do? He wants me to quit, not just the church. He wants me to quit the ministry. He wants me to quit on God. He wants my family to go to hell. I got children that's not saved. He wants me to get bitter and mad as hell at everybody. And my friend, if I wasn't careful, that's exactly what I'd do. But my friend, I I know that there are two forces at work tonight and I must fight against the devil. You're going to have to do the same thing. And some of y'all are losing the battle tonight. You're losing the battle. I want us to look at this subtle serpent. First of all, I want us to notice his moves. Notice his moves. Look in verse number one. The Bible said, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. I begin to think about snakes when I read that. Begin to think about serpents and their movements. He's more subtle. In other words, he's more sly. He's more sneaky. He's more uh, secretive. He is he is strategically sneaky. And uh, my friend, all snakes are. I, I begin to think about this. Can I say this? A serpent only needs a crack in the door, a crack in the brick, a crack in the wall, a crack in the floor uh, to enter the house. I, I begin to look up a few statistics or facts about serpents. Did you know a serpent only needs a quarter of an inch 
A quarter of an inch. It can flatten its body. I don't have a measuring tape, but a quarter of an inch uh, to enter the house. Can I say tonight, everywhere I look in our church, everywhere I look in every church, you know what I see? There are cracks everywhere. There, uh, Listen, the, most places in this day and hour have opened the, the door and, and, and allowed the devil to come in. Listen, we've got to focus on what the task is at hand. I'm going to ask you a question tonight, and I'm not going to preach to those who are not here. I'm going to preach to those who are here, all right? Uh, do you have any concern for your family? Uh, this is not a fairy tale story. This is not, religion's not something that's been made up and it's a, a fairy tale world. There's a real devil that wants your family. And my God, you're going to give them to him if you don't fill in some of the cracks. If you don't put some walls up, some fences up. If you don't establish yourself in the faith and if you don't get solid in what you are and who you're supposed to be for God, my friend, we, the devil in his moves, he does not need much to move into our lives. Right. Do you know this? The serpent likes to dwell in darkness. Right. But notice this. But a serpent often goes out and about looking for bugs and insects to eat, both of which are drawn to light. Brother Mike Norman said this here years ago. He said, uh, a good church like ours is going to attract every bug and every, everything in the world. He said, because light attracts bugs. And guess what? Where bugs are, snakes are. Right now. Can I say this? We've had a few bugs come through. But you better know something tonight. The devil's not sitting out on the side of the road playing tic-tac-toe with one of his buddies. He hates this place. Right and my Lord, there's some churches they never have to fight. We've fought like pure hell for eight years. Yeah. Can I say there's a reason that we're fighting tonight? Yes, sir. There's a reason that the devil hates us. There's a reason that the devil is so, I mean, dear Lord, I just pleaded with the church on Sunday. Unto God, do y'all even want a church? And half of them don't show up tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say this? God wants a church. Yes, sir. Sure does. Yes, sir. And if y'all don't, I'm going to give you liberty now. Pack your stuff and get out. Amen. That's where I'm at with it. I started with me and God, and by George, I'll end with me and God if that's what i got to do. I'd rather have five that really wanted God as 25 that didn't. Amen. I mean, every word of that. Don't think for one minute I won't go out tomorrow and find me a job somewhere and punch a time clock, come in here and pay my tithes and preach to my family. Bless God, if that's what I've got to do, that's what I'll do. And if you don't care no more about your family than to let the serpent in, then God bless your soul tonight. He'll devour you. This is not a game. People think it's a game. It's just, well, you know, it's black versus white, good versus evil, right versus wrong. I've got a little God on this shoulder and a little devil on this shoulder, and your children's going to bust hell wide open. Right. Your grandchildren ain't going to know God if you don't learn how to identify, overcome, defeat, resist the devil. Yes, sir. The Bible said to resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. People do it. People's got so many doors open in their life for the serpent. And that's why they're in the shape they're in. Did you know this? Uh, this, this really, you can look this up. This is Google information. A serpent is drawn to water. But notice this. This is what Google said. But mainly still water. 
and stagnant water. Serpents don't like running water. If you ever notice, I begin to think about that. Every time I've got around a snake, around water, it's never been a wide open river running. It's been an old stinky mosquito infested puddle. Or a pond. Something that's not... Y'all ever noticed how snakes love to hang around ponds? Because it's still water. Boy, that made the hair stand up on my neck when I read that. In other words, a serpent, a subtle serpent is very successful when and how it moves. Can I say this? In Genesis chapter number 3, the subtle serpent seen a crack when he seen Eve in the garden. The Bible does not exactly give us all the details, but it is obvious that she's near this tree when he sees her. Because when he begins to talk to her about the tree, the Bible said she looked at it. So she wasn't too far away. In other words, she was, my friend, a little too close to some things she had no business being around. Can I say this? Do not place yourself in a position to be poisoned. Can I say there's a whole lot of people, listen, if you don't want snake bit, here's what you don't do. You don't run out through the woods in the dark with shorts and flip-flops on. Everybody knows that. But spiritually speaking, we've got a bunch of people, seem like. They just running around singing hula and, uh, you know, uh, was whistling in Dixie, running around not paying all, And the devil is after us tonight. Do not position yourself in a position. Do not place yourself in a position to be poisoned. We know this. It's common sense. When you get too close to a fire, you will get burned. How many times have you told your kids, you better get away from that. You're going to get hurt. Don't get near that stove. I'm cooking. It's hot over there. Don't you get over there. What happens? They keep tempting. The, they keep taking the temptation. They get close and they want to see how far they can go. And sure enough, it ain't two or three, five minutes later, you hear blood curdling, screaming and crying. They have been burned. They have broken that glass. They have fallen in that hole, whatever the case may be. And you know why God gives you a pastor? I, I don't think people understand. They say, all he wants to do is tell us what to do. No, I'm trying to keep you from getting snake bit. There is a devil after you. And all I can do is warn you. I can't live your life for you. Under God, I wish I could at times. We'd have perfect attendance. All right? I want to ask you a question. I've asked this question before. How would you feel about me being the pastor if I was as faithful to church as you are? Well, you'd vote me out in 10 minutes. I mean, and again, you say you're preaching nothing. No, I'm, there's some here tonight. Most, most everybody in the last six to eight months has had issues with faithfulness. Are y'all not care that there's a real devil, a real war, a real enemy, a real hell, real demons, real wickedness, real snares, real sin that will destroy you and your families? And people can't take this kind of preaching in these days because nobody wants to hear that. Everybody wants to hear how good they are. Yeah. Well, the Bible said there's none that doeth good. No, not one. Right. Everybody wants to hear how there's never going to be no problems. But the Bible said a man that's born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Yes, 
Everybody wants to hear about heaven, but the, nobody wants to hear about hell. And Jesus, that's the message he preached more than any other, is repent. There's a real place called hell. Listen, I'm trying to tell you things are backwards. We're in perilous times. We're in the last days. And what's good is called evil, and what's evil is called good. But this is a place that you can solidify and, and commit yourself to that God would build your family so you can fight against the devil. But you gotta want it tonight. You know there's some people they get snake bit because they just stupid. Have no fear. I've been I've had buddies like that. I I'll never forget I start when I you know everybody knows I love to turkey hunt. One thing I make sure goes on my feet when I go turkey hunting is snake boots. Because that's the time of year when they first come out and they are biting everything. I mean they're everywhere, they've been cooped up all winter, starved out, they looking to eat something. And buddy, I, I, I would make sure they make fun of me. Oh, Griffith over here, he's scared to death. No, I'm just not an idiot. Now, I've never been snake bit. Thank the Lord. I've never had one strike at me. Thank God. But if it did, I'd have something to protect myself. I've had people go turkey hunting in Crocs. And I say, you're an idiot. There are rattlesnakes. Four foot long and two foot round in these mountains. And you if you get struck by one, you're dead. We're not getting you out of here in time. You will die. But they have no fear. It's almost as if they know they're real, but, well, you know, it's probably not going to happen to me. Right. Right. Is anybody picking up what I'm throwing down? You know how many times people play with snakes and play with sin and they think, they're, they're, I know it, it's a possibility, but surely I won't get bit. Yeah. And God's give us a guard. God's give us some help to, to, to protect ourselves and to make ourselves aware. And I mean, He's told us to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may. I mean, that's what he's doing. And it blows my mind, Sister Geneva, how people, they just act like it's just a, a you know, it's a false reality. But the devil's after us. Chris, he wants your kids, man. And Shelby, he wants, he wants all that, he wants these babies, he wants your family. Brother Sean, he would love nothing more than to absolutely devour y'all. And I know it seems like, man, he's the bearer of bad news, but I'm not. I mean, you would thank me if I was fix if you was fixing to walk through a field and I said, hey, stop! There's four rattlesnakes right over there. Well, you'd come hug me and give me twenty dollars. Thank you, man. I'm glad I didn't get bit. And that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm telling you, he's waiting at the door tonight to bite somebody. He's very slick and sly in how he moves. You know, I dare say there's been a few that been snake bit because they was provoking the snake. But most people get snake bit and they never even see it. They don't even see it when it bites them. They feel and that poison goes in them and that snake goes about his merry day and they'll die. He's so slick. He's so sly in his moves. But then I want us to look at the subtle serpent. We find not only do, not only do we see his moves, but I want you to see his motives. 
Look in verse number 1. The Bible said, And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, can I ask you something? Is that what God said? God did not say, Y'all can't eat of every tree in the garden. God said, You can eat of every tree in the garden except one. But the devil, reverse psychology, hello, he tries to flip it around and put everything God has said into question. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, I, I, can, hear his, I can hear his tone of voice when he says this. Almost as if, what is his issue? Did God really tell you that you all can't eat of none of these trees? What kind of... I mean, did He really say that? What's His motives? Well, His motives, His goal is to make you focus on the things that God has said you cannot have and forget about all the things that you have that you'll throw away. The sceptical serpent focused on the forbidden fruit for a reason. Can I say this? The reason you are so tempted by the subtle serpent to sin is because sin will bring forth what? Death. And the subtle serpent is still trying to steal souls. Some of y'all, he's lost your soul. You've been saved, right? So what's he after? Service. He can't keep you from going to heaven, but he can keep you from helping anybody else get there. If you let him. That's why we read the Bible. It says, give no place to the devil. His motives. He has an agenda behind everything that he does. And it's never to help you. It's always to hinder you. Whether it be hinder a soul from going to heaven or hinder a servant from making a difference for heaven. But either way, he's after us tonight. If you're saved, he can't get you so. But he can most definitely affect your service. Uh, John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus said, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. His motives tonight. Isn't it amazing how when he begins to speak with Eve, not only does he shift everything around in what was said, but he does it in a way, I almost think that Eve, considering she was close to that tree, I can almost see in my mind her out there, if she's anything like Amy, she's out there in the days playing with her hair. And she's looking at that tree, the one she can't eat of, and she's pondering. I wonder what's so bad about that. Y'all with me? That fruit looks as good as any other fruit. That tree looks as pretty as any other tree. Wonder why the devil's seen a crack. I can't tell you the times I'll say, Amy, something other. And she say, okay. And I'll go do something five minutes later. I'll watch. She's in the same spot. I said, hey! Like she's living in another dimension. This is the look she has. Kids are screaming and pooping everywhere. Ah, she's in a... How about that's what kind of woman Eve was? Pondering. Dazed out. I wonder. And the devil said, uh oh. You ever you ever pondered on something? Is it really that bad? And then you tempted with it? Has that never happened to nobody but me? I've been thinking about something and I thought, man. You know, that old flesh wants things. And within five minutes, 
It's laid out in front of me. It's available. Right. You know what the devil sees? I think he's saying, she's pondering on that. I don't know if Adam's anywhere around at this moment when he's talking with her. It doesn't say that he's there when they're talking. We know he's there when she eats and gives to him. But it it does not let us know if he's there. I think he's saying, man, I've got an opportunity to mess the whole thing up. Isn't it amazing he didn't target Adam? The weaker vessel. Adam's out there, you know, making a pig pen or something, feeding the lions or something. He's out working, doing something effective, and she's over there. And he says, right there is my, that's my opportunity. What's his motives? Thirdly, I want us to see tonight when looking at the subtle serpent, we find his manipulation. Now, I've got a lot to say here in the next two points. And I might get through this. I want us to see his manipulation. In verse 2, read it with me. He said, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. His manipulation. Can I say first of all, when looking at the manipulation, uh, the subtle serpent manipulated Eve, number one, by manipulating the facts. Can I say the devil is not going to just come to you and lay out the you know lay it all out to where you can see the end result? He's not going to come to you and quote the Bible just exactly how it's supposed to be quoted. He's going to manipulate things, manipulating the facts. Notice this: He said to the woman, "Yea, God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden." It's here that the subtle serpent misrepresents what God had in fact said. God did not say that. But by putting what God had said into question, then Eve becomes vulnerable to his approach. One commentator said it like this. I love this statement. He said, The divine law cannot be reproached unless it be first misrepresented. In other words, it, it can't be broken until it is messed up. It's misrepresented. It's twisted. It's manipulated. And I say this tonight, the, the subtle serpent questions Eve about what God had said. But can I, can I, can I show you all something? Look, look in Genesis 2. In Genesis 3, what we just read, the devil said this. He said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said. She quotes what God said. But I want you to look in verse 16. Genesis 2, 16. The Bible said, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it in the day uh, that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helpmate for him. Bounce down to verse number 21. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto the man. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, if a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they, twi- or, and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Does everybody see what has just happened? He's manipulated. He has manipulated 
this woman named Eve. Can I say this? He approaches her about something God said and she was not even created yet. Are y'all listening? He was not even created when he said this. She's quoting something from God that she did not hear for herself. No doubt she knew, but Adam had to have been the one to tell her. What are you saying? Well, I'm saying that things can be missaid and misrepresented and misinterpreted. Matter of fact, she added something to it. God did not say, if you touch it, you'll die. But she did. And the devil changed only one word in what God had said. God said, you shall surely die. And the devil added one word, not. Ye shall not surely die. Does everybody see the manipulation? And that's how the devil works. I've heard things like this. Well, you know, I, I know, preacher, I shouldn't have committed fornication. I shouldn't have committed adultery. But you know, the Bible says, man, look on woman, lust in his heart. He's already guilty, so. Are you kidding me? I've heard it. It says I'm already guilty. So I've done it. If that's the case, we might as well all just go over and sleep around on our wives. Right. It ain't the same. Listen, I understand that thought and that intent is in the heart. Yes, and he's committed that sin in his heart. But the physical sin is what condemns the body. A man sins against his own body when he does those things. It's not the same. But God, the devil is good at manipulating what God has said. I've heard this. Well, you know, I mean, what's my sin ain't different than everybody else's? Really? You have been manipulated. To think that, well, you know, so-and-so, I mean, they got this problem, so why, why can't I? I mean, they look like they're doing all right. You've been manipulated. Listen, and by the way, contrary to what many of y'all have been taught your whole life, not all sin is just sin. There are worse sins than others, and I can prove it to you. Why do you think God is going to judge the dead and those who are in hell? At the, judge, at the great white throne judgment and he's going to reward them right. and some of them the Bible said will receive greater stripes and the greater damnation yes, sir. Yeah. there's not going to be no air conditioned room in the lake of fire it's all going to be worse than what hell is but some people will suffer worse because they were worse sinners and their deeds were more evil than others. Listen, not all sins the same. You cannot lump yourself and justify yourself based upon what everybody else is doing. Amen. It's manipulating. The devil manipulates things. I mean, there are times she don't even come on the scene until after God has told Adam about this tree. And that's why she can't talk about it right yeah, I reckon that the God, you know, yeah, God, she, say, she said, yeah, God said we can't eat of it. I can't touch it with that. Remember what he said? Now, I believe she shouldn't touch it. Right. I mean, if God tells you you can't eat something, you probably don't need to go over and get three or four of them off the tree and start juggling them. <laughs> Amen. But, 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 but still, nonetheless, that ain't what God said. God said you can't eat unless you die. So this whole thing's been manipulated. He's manipulated the facts. Number two, the subtle serpent manipulated Eve by manipulating the fairness. How fair is this? What do you mean? Look, well, look, 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 look down in verse number three. 
Eve told him in verse 2, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Verse 3, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Notice this. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You know what the devil does now? He, he not only manipulates the facts, he manipulates the fairness of this situation. Eve, you ain't going to die. God just knows you'll be just like Him. So He's told you you can't eat. So how fair is that? In other words, Eve, God has not been very reasonable with you. How many all plunge deeper in sin because it's just not reasonable that God would expect you to not do that? Well, so-and-so's been, been there and done that. What's the difference in me and them? What you're saying is God is not being fair with you. The devil literally has manipulated the facts and manipulated the situation concerning fairness that Eve, the only reason God is doing this is so you won't be like him. I've heard things like this. And I've thought about this. How, how is it fair that there's another option outside of what God has said Without consequence, yet God said there will be consequence. That's what Eve's faced with. God has said, if you do this, there's consequence, but really there's not, not going to be a consequence. So how fair is it to you to suffer when you can partake of this tree, but the only reason He said not to is X, Y, and Z. Can I say this? This is one, buddy, that I have heard a million times. Everybody else is doing it. What makes it so different for me? Well, because I'm trying to, I've heard people say, well, bless God, you don't, get, you don't say or do this, concern nobody else but me, and that's not true. But I'm going to keep saying it to you because I, if I can't win them all, maybe I can't influence them all, but if I can just get you to know to do right, that the devil's trying to drag you out and mess you up, destroy your family. Man, you've got to be careful with this fairness. I just don't think it's fair. I mean, don't you know we got lives? Amy got her eyes, got big rounds of watermelons. And I don't blame her. Look around. We can't get people to be faithful on Wednesday night, let alone a week of revival, then VBS. Right. Did it on purpose. I did it on purpose. Because I need to know who's going to sacrifice. Good. Who's going to have a servant's heart. And I said, Amy, under God, it ought to be a crime shame. I know it's going to be hard. But we can't give two weeks back to back to God. Something's wrong with us. Yes, sir. Are you listening? I mean, some of y'all give your employer 90 hours back to back to back. But we can't give God an evening for two, for 10 days? An evening for 10 days? When there's children that's going to come in here and their mamas and daddies are on drugs and they abuse them and they, uh, they molest them and everything else and we can't be kind and give them a servant's heart and love them and show them Jesus and not bicker and gripe complain for five nights. Something's wrong. You know what people's going to claim? That's just not fair. Well, can I remind you it wasn't fair when Jesus became you. 
It wasn't fair when Jesus took your sin. It wasn't fair when he took your beating and your cussing. It wasn't fair they pulled his hair out and not yours and they punched him and they spit on him and not you. And they crucified him and they didn't you. And they mocked him and they sold him out. And they forsook him and they hung him on a cross. They cussed him to smithereens. That wasn't fair either tonight. She said, oh boy, that's going to be tiresome. I said, oh, I know. But you know what I think our church needs worse than anything right now? To get weak in the flesh. Right. Because when we get weak in our old rock stinking low down, no good for nothing flesh, then maybe, just maybe, somebody will realize this ain't about me. Hey, man, son. Are you listening tonight? I did. She said, you do know. That's to wait for Bible school. I said, oh yeah, I know. But God put it on my heart for Brother Mike to come in here and just do something, say something to help us. I said, we weren't going to have no meetings. But God told me otherwise. I said, Lord, we're lower in the funds now than we've ever had. How are we going to pay for a motel? And we came home to take up enough money to pay the bills, let alone love all for now and pay the bills. He said, do it anyways. We're going to sacrifice. And I told Brother Mike, I said, Brother Mike, the place our church is, I, I gave him a little bit of information. I said, it may just be me, my family, and a handful there, but God said to do it. Right. So we're going to do it. If you don't come, you're the one missing out, not me. I'm sick of coming to church and losing my blessing because y'all are knuckleheads. I'm about tired of that. You with me? I mean, boys, we ought to come in here like there's 500 preachers in here and it's camp meeting because God's still as good tonight as He is when those times happen. Amen. I mean, why do we look around? Listen, this ain't no surprise to God. It shocked me. I don't know what's happened to everybody. I'm caught off guard, but He's not. He's not. And you know what the Lord's put in my heart this week? There's just some people losing the war with this old sneaky devil. They're just losing, man. Listen, can I say I ain't mad at nobody? They're not, they're not terrible people. I don't think everybody's hypocrites. There's probably some. They're in all places. There's probably a few hypocrites and Pharisees, but I don't think that. I think people's just losing the battle. And I'm coming here tonight to tell y'all to tell the devil to go back to hell where he come from. We cannot let around and stay in the garden, play with our hair, and let him deceive us. You've got to realize he's the one at work tonight. He has manipulated the fairness. It's just not fair, Eve. Just not fair. Can I say this? God was more than fair with Adam and Eve. They had everything on planet Earth. Are y'all listening? They had everything on the planet but one thing. Isn't that amazing how the devil can make us put the emphasis and focus on the one one blessed fire thing that's going wrong or the one thing we can't have or the one feeling we are feeling and the one thought that we've had or the one one falling out. I mean, isn't it amazing how he's so sneaky that he can make you lose sight of everything but one thing. Thirdly, the devil manipulated Eve by manipulating the flesh. He manipulated the facts, the Word of God. He manipulated the fairness of this situation. Eve, God is jipping you. But then we see he's manipulated the flesh in verses 1 through 6. Let's, let's look. 
In verse 6, the Bible said, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. He has manipulated the flesh. Do you know, tonight I begin to think about the flesh, and there's five senses of the flesh. And those five senses would be sight, taste, touch, hearing, smelling, Five is the number of grace. We understand it's also the number of death. Did you know every single sense of the flesh came under attack when the devil started manipulating her? Every one of them. She heard those words that he said. She tasted that fruit. The Bible said she seen that the tree was pleasant to the eyes. She no doubt smelled the. I, I, there, there's great controversy over what fruit it is. They say it's apples. I believe it's grapes. Grape is the only forbidden fruit, the cursed fruit in the Bible. They grow on a tree just like everything else up the vine. I personally believe it's grape. You can believe it's Bible or an apple. It don't matter to me what you believe. I'm just telling what I believe. And I'm gonna tell you something. Whether apple or a grape, you smell them boogers and you get around them. One of, the best, one of the best deer hunt spots I've ever had was, was over some apple trees. And man, you come up in that tree and that wind blow good and hard and you can smell them babies. You can smell them. You can smell them fresh, sweet blooms when they first start. No doubt, she, her, her, her sight has been manipulated. Her taste, her touch. She reached up, took a hold of that fruit. And boy, for the first time, Y'all remember when you first got a hold of that one thing you weren't supposed to get a hold of? Boy, it felt so nice, didn't it? You know, the old flesh loves the adrenaline of doing wrong. Sneaking. You know why some people do the things they do? It's not necessarily for the sin. It's the adrenaline of the sin. That rush they get. Oh, we got to be sneaky and sly. We can't partake in this and everybody knows. So we got to sneak around and find a way. And you know what you're doing? You are taking on the nature of a serpent. Are you listening to me? And I'm telling you, if you're not careful, he'll manipulate your rotten flesh. Can I say this? That's why when you walk in the flesh, you serve the flesh. Yes, sir. And the flesh leads you around like a dog on a leash. Right. But I want to key in. I'm not going to key in on five. I just want to key in on one of those senses tonight, manipulating the flesh. I want to focus on sight. I just want to focus on sight. The Bible said when, in verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes. Can I say, at this point, Eve saw no more harm in this tree than any of the rest. Would you look back again in Genesis chapter 2 and look at verse number 9. I want to show you some just... Facts I think that often overlooked. Was this tree just just standing out so much more beautiful than all the rest? Is that why she wanted it? Not according to the Bible. Not according to the Bible. Let's look. Look at Genesis 2. Look at verse 9. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They all look the same and they're all good for fruit. I've heard preachers preach, well, you know, this tree just stood out from the rest and God will get your attention to focus on that one thing. That, and, they, and, and it's a good application, but it's just not Bible. This tree did not stand out from the rest. Matter of fact, the Bible said not only were all trees pleasant to the eyes, but they were also, all trees were good for food. 
This is just another tree, but it's the forbidden tree. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how things will be the same, but it just seems a little better when the devil's the one hanging it out in front of you? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. One of the biggest struggles with, with mankind, with men all throughout the Bible still to this day has been women. Right. Yeah. I'm going to fill you in on a little secret. When the makeup comes off and they put on a few pounds, they all look and act the same. Are you listening? I'm just being honest with you. I think, sure, you ought to think your wife's more beautiful, but what I'm trying to say is this. That one that seems just to maybe a little bit better looking, she's the same. Are you listening? Don't fall out with me. Don't tighten up. She's A woman's a woman. And a man's a man. And I understand there's good qualities, bad qualities, and some look better than others. But at the end of the day, the grass ain't always greener on the other side. The devil's just got a way of making it look more appealing. And it's not. I, was, I, was, I got tickled. We, was at, we took the girls to Brother John's camp uh, that Sunday night. And we was there. He's talking to his people. I don't even remember what he's preaching about everything, I believe. But he said, uh, oh, man, I don't even remember how he's going on about it. But, oh, but being modest, being modest, that's what it was. And he said, look here. His wife's standing over there. He said, some of you men, you, you too scared to say amen. He said, but, he said uh, you women don't need to be running around here with your blouses low and your skirts high. He said, I don't need tempted. And he said, some of y'all act like you ain't never seen a pretty woman. He said, I'm going to tell you something. I've seen a bunch of them. Come on, somebody. And he said, I've never seen a good-looking man, but I've seen plenty of good-looking women. And I begin to think, you know, we really try to hide the fact that we are naturally drawn to the, you're supposed to be, to the opposite sex. Now you can say what you want. Don't make you an don't make you an adulterer in your heart. And, and there's a difference in looking at a woman lusting after and just noticing a woman that looks nice. Hello. I personally think my wife is absolutely stunningly beautiful, but her mom is hot too. Somebody say amen right there. That's why I married her. Some of y'all, if your wife turns out to look like your mother-in-law, you're in bad shape. But I'm all right. You with me? I'm all right. I look down the future. I picked my wife very strategically. I looked at her mom and I said, I'm going to be just fine when I'm 50, baby. Now, some of y'all, but your hearts. I don't know what you're going to do. But she's a pretty woman. Yeah, amen. I can tell you this. I think Ashley is a pretty woman. Amen. I think she's a pretty woman. Yes. I ain't had a cousin. I used to say it was pretty. Oh, I used to say, man, that's a pretty girl right there. You in it? But if you're not careful, the devil can take those natural things, those senses of the flesh side, what we're focusing on, and manipulate it. Right. Yeah. That tree, Mr. Neal, according to that Bible, was absolutely not, not a bit prettier or a bit better for fruit than the rest of it. All right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. How the devil can manipulate your sight. He can manipulate your sight. That I'm trying to tell you tonight. If you're not careful, you'll start looking the wrong way and seeing the wrong things. And that little serpent knows how to get you and, and, and manipulate your sight. Can I say this? 
it's as good for food as any of the rest of them. But because it, and, and, it's, and it's beautiful, just like the rest of them. But because of that fact, the devil then manipulates your sight and says, well, if it looks the same, it's just as good for food. Why is it so harmful? You see that? You see how he works? He'll take something and manipulate it all around to make it so appealing to your flesh. And if you're not sound in what God has said, man, you'll, you'll take the bait, man. You'll take the bait. We are often manipulated into the snares of the subtle serpent through our fleshly desires, our senses. So we find tonight the subtle serpent manipulated every detailed situation. He manipulated the facts. He manipulated the fairness. He manipulated the flesh tonight. But lastly, I want you to see, not only have we seen his, his moves and his motives and his manipulation, but lastly, and I'm done, I want you to look at his mission Here's the mission of the devil. First of all, we find the mission of the subtle serpent tonight is to separate. Notice this, in verse 5, the Bible said, devil's talking to Eve, he said, God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, was pleasant to the eyes, the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also her husband with her, and he did eat. What's the mission to separate? I never thought like this. I've preached on Adam and Eve a million times. I never thought like this. You know what he has just done? He has taken the very thing that ruined himself to ruin them. Does everybody remember Isaiah chapter 14? What he wanted to do? He wanted to be like God. You know what he tempts Eve with? You want to be like God? You know what he knew trying to be like God? Got him thrown out. And he was cursed and he was kicked out. And you know what he knew? If I can get others to be think they can be their own God or to be as God, it's going to do the same thing. He knew. Listen to me tonight. The subtle serpent is still doing the same thing. He had ruined himself by desiring to be like God Almighty. And he was kicked out, notice, and eternally separated for trying to be like God. You want to know why the devil targets you? Why the devil is after souls and why people are their own God. Listen, you are serving a God tonight. Everybody's serving a God. Some of them serving their self. They're their own God. They sit on their own throne. You know what the end result's going to be? Eternal separation. He ain't bothering them because that's the way he wants them to fall. Can I say there's been a many Christians saved, but they are separated from God. Fellowship has been broken because they have... They have taken the bait. And the devil, his mission is to separate. I, I read this and I thought it was phenomenal. Matter of fact, I'm probably going to update my quote on Facebook. Listen to this. It says this, Satan, without a doubt, is the accuser of the brethren before God, ain't he? We know that the Bible said even now in Job's life, even now, it comes to and fro, that he's the accuser of the brethren. He tries to bring up all of our flaws and our faults to God. But can I say this? When, when the devil, being the accuser of the brethren to God, you know what he is? He's the, uh, the accuser of God to the brethren. Yeah. How many times has the devil came by your way and accused God? Yeah. Hmm. He's still doing the same thing. That's his mission to separate. Would God really want you doing this? 
Would God really put you out like that? Do you think it's really God making you live this life? Do you think God would tell you no on everything? He's accusing him before the brethren. He's accusing the brethren before God. The mission is to separate. Secondly, his mission is to shame. In verse number 7, the Bible said, And the eyes of them were both open, and they knew that they were naked. Can I say they were shamed by their sight? Can I say this tonight? This is not talking about their physical bodies and their physical eyes. They could see. They had physical sight. But now spiritually speaking tonight, for the first time they can see in the spiritual realm of things and they are shamed. Isn't it amazing the very thing that the subtle serpent used to seduce them? Which was their... And when Eve saw that it was a pleasant... Tree to be desired of to make one wise. The very thing he used to seduce them, he used to shame them. I wonder how many people has been seduced through what they saw and then after they took the bait, they were completely shamed looking back on what they've done and they lived their life in shame. And it was the same thing, the same sense, sight that the devil used to seduce them. And then he turns right around and their eyes are open and he uses sight not only to seduce them but to shame them. They realized we're naked. Why did they not know before? Because they were pure. They didn't realize it was in. there was nothing to be ashamed about. There was no perversion. There was no sin. There was no lust. There was none of that until after sin. Can I say this? When their eyes were open, they saw the foolishness of eating the forbidden fruit. They couldn't see it before, but they see it now. They saw the happiness they had fallen from. Listen to me tonight. Stay with me. They saw the happiness they'd fallen from. They saw the misery they'd fallen into. They saw a loving God provoked. They saw His grace and favor forfeited. They saw His likeness and image to be lost. My friend, they saw the dominion over all creation gone. They saw their natures corrupted, depraved, and now felt a disorder in their own spirit that they have never been conscious of before. They saw a law in their members warring against the law of their minds and at captivating them and capturing them in sin and wrath. They saw, uh, my friend, as Balaam did in Numbers uh, chapter 22, the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand. They saw a serpent that had abused them and insulted them and was now ruling over them. They saw they were naked. They saw their shame. That's his mission tonight, to shame you, to separate you. Thirdly tonight, it's the mission of the subtle serpent to seclude you. We're about done. Verse 7 and 8, the Bible said in the bottom part of 7, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. Verse 8, they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cold of the day, and Adam and uh, his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, God amongst the trees of the garden. You know what the mission of the, of the subtle serpent is? To seclude you. Seclude means to separate you or to shut you out. Can I say this tonight? It's exactly what the devil wants to do when you sin. You know what he wants instead of you confessing it? Here's what most people do. Instead of confessing their sin, they learn how to conceal their sin. And you, when you are concealing your sin, instead of confessing your sin, you have been secluded by the serpent. You are walking in a garden with a fig tree leafy suit on, trying to hide from God. But God sees it all. Can I say this tonight? When people become distant with the church or they disappear from the church, most of the time it's a result of sin. They are hiding. 
They're trying to hide. Can I, can I stress that just another moment or two? They are trying to hide. When they become distant with the church, that means you can be here, but you're not here. You're not a part of us, but you're a part of us. Right. You don't want fellowship. You run out as soon as you get here. You run out as soon as you leave. I mean, you know, you really don't want to be here. You just come to come, but you're, you're doing so with an apron of uh, uh, fig leaves on. Right. Right. And here comes God in the cool of the day. Adam, where art thou? You think he's asking because you don't know? No, he was very aware of where Adam was. He needed Adam to become aware of where he was. That's right. You're hiding out. You're in a, you're in a camo uh, uh, sniper suit trying to hide from God. The devil, the serpent had secluded them. Can I say this? My friend, when, when we look at seclusion, here's what we find. If you, if you live your life in seclusion, you'll never find a resolution. You don't get the problem fixed when you hide it. You have to confess it. You have to repent of it. You can't conceal it. You've got to confess it. You, 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 you can't hold on to it. You've got to let it go. You've got to be open and say, God, here I am. The mission of the serpent, lastly, is to snare. Verses 9 through 13, we ain't got time to read it, but you know what happens? God comes to them and says, what in the world's going on? What happens? Blame game. Can I say when you begin to blame others for your sin and will not take responsibility, you cannot repent. When you will not take responsibility and you do not repent, you become snared and trapped and enslaved to your sin. Adam blames both God and Eve. Eve blames the serpent. 